Asia-Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm James Barry. We're taking you through to 9.30 this morning. Um, Of course, this is our... No, let me say that again. What I want to say is next Saturday is our Radiothon show. So um, please dig deep. Um, We're going to be on air next week reminiscing about um, the last year of broadcasting and why keeping Asia Pacific Currents on air is such an important task. Um, And of course, I've invited our old producer Pierre back in he hasn't accepted the invitation yet James I have no idea why um but so Pierre uh, if you're listening uh, <laughs> the invitation is still open and I'm doing everything I can to twist his arm to invite him back on to the show for next Saturday But coming up today on today's program, obviously we'll have the news from around the region, but in the second part of the show, um, I had an opportunity to speak with Kivanch Elyachik, who is the International Officer for DISC, which is the um, Progressive Labour Movement Federation in Turkey, or Turkiya. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, uh, And we're doing a bit of an analysis or an aftermath of the Turkish elections. But time now for news from around the region. And actually, we might start in Turkey, James. So in Turkey or Turkey, uh, a union leader has been released from prison. Selma Atabe, the co-chair of the Health and Social Care Workers Union of Turkey, or the SES, was released from prison this week after more than one year in prison. Her release comes after the president of the SES was also released in March. Atabe and seven other comrades have been on trial since May 2021, where they have faced terrorism charges. All eight have denied the charges, which stem from their trade union union activism and the weaponisation of their Kurdish ethnicity by the state. The charges against Atabe include tweets in support of workers on hunger strike, as well as for owning political books, none of which were officially banned. Despite their release, Atabe and her comrades will remain under house arrest until at least their next hearing in October. In recent years, the Erdogan government has targeted several unions with lawfare as a means of suppressing their activities. This lawfare campaign has disproportionately targeted female activists like Atabe. And in Bougainville, Bougainville, a report um, is due in the PNG Parliament. A report on the future status of Bougainville is due to be tabled at the current session of PNG's Parliament, which began sitting on Wednesday. Under the 2001 peace agreement, which ended a 10-year war in the resource-rich province, the PNG Parliament is ultimately responsible for granting Bougainville independence. A non-binding referendum was held in Bougainville in 2019, in which 97% voted for independence. Under the peace agreement, the report on Bougainville independence is due by the end of 2023, with a decision to be made by the Parliament between 2025 and 2027. However, this parliamentary session has been occupied mostly by a scandal of former Foreign Minister Justin 
uh, Kachenko, who recently labelled Papuans opposed to the monarchy as primitive animals. Meanwhile, in Bougainville, the autonomous government has been pressuring Rio Tinto, whose mines have been abandoned since the war began in 1988, to assist communities affected by recent floods, as waste from Rio Tinto mines have polluted local waterways. To India now, where protesters have been attacked by a minister's supporters. A joint action committee comprising of a rare alliance of unions, farmers and informal economy workers were attacked by supporters of the state transport minister on Wednesday in the Taran Taran district of the Punjab. The JAC were protesting over the minister's transfer of the deputy chief engineer, Gursharan Singh Hedra, who are transferring him out of the district. Hera is considered responsible for improving the power supply in the district through fining organisations that were stealing power, which consequently made him enemies with several local bosses. In April, Hera was summoned by the transport minister and ordered to transfer to another city. And in this meeting, he was also assaulted. The JAC's protest was met by supporters of the transport minister who attacked the protesters. The JAC uh, uh, claims that the violence used against them is a tactic of the minister in order to blame them, them for creating public disorder. And in Korea, the Korean unions have cut all dialogue with the government, the Federation of Korean Trade Unions. This is the FKTU, which is the more conservative um, Labor Centre, of course, we know that the KCTU is the progressive Labor Centre in Korea. However, what's interesting is that FKTU, Korea's largest trade union centre, which is historically compliant with the government, has suspended its membership of the President's Economic Label, Labor and Social Council, the ELCS, meaning that the Yun government now has no official avenues of dialogue with any part of the labour movement. The FKTU's decision came after an executive of the Korean Metal Workers Trade Union was beaten by police during a sit-in in the country's south. This comes after the more left-wing Korean Confederation of Trade Unions has been spearheading a campaign of confrontation against the president's crackdown on the labour movement. The Yun government has been prosecuting trade union members on trumped-up charges of disturbing public order, financial irregularities and even espionage. The FKTU, which has long been compliant with companies and with the government, has found that it will not be spared in Yun's broad anti-labour policies. While the FKTU has suspended membership from the government council, they haven't yet withdrawn from it, unlike the KCTU, which has not participated in the ELSC since 1999. Back to the Pacific now, where France is working to stall independence movements. This week, France's interior minister, Gérard Damanin, claimed during a visit to New Caledonia that the Kanak and Socialist Liberation Front, or FLNKS, one of the largest Indigenous-led pro-independence parties, have agreed to negotiate on changes to the electoral roll. Since the 1998 Numir Accords, which ended the uprising in New Caledonia, there have been restrictions on the election, electoral roll to prevent new settlers from affecting the demographic balance of power in New Caledonia. The FLNKS is yet to make a statement, but this would be a complete shift from their previous policies, which have been to only negotiate with Paris on full sovereignty. France has also been trying to reverse the decolonisation in New Caledonia. 
Meanwhile, in Paris, the pro-independence French Polynesian president, Moatai Brotherson, held talks with the French government this week. Brotherson's main objectives are to decrease French Polynesia's financial dependence on Paris, guarantee a ban on seabed mining in the Pacific, and uphold the independ- hold an independence referendum within 15 years. Brotherson added that the independence process should be mediated by the United Nations, not Paris. And in Sri Lanka, authorities have attacked student protesters. Police have unleashed tear gas and water cannon on university students who gathered in Colombo on Wednesday to demand the release of those detained for protesting against the Rajapaksa government during last year's financial collapse. The government has been using anti-terrorism laws to crack down on protesters and more than a dozen students and activists remain in detention. The students were also protesting against President Ranil Wickremesinghe's move to slash education and health budgets to meet the requirements of an IMF loan to bail out a government that was responsible for the economic disaster in the first place. Local reports were that the police response was heavy-handed from the outset and journalists were also targeted by water cannon to prevent their broadcasting of events. Student leaders said that the heavy-handed approach would not dissuade them and they will continue to demand the freedom of their comrades. And that brings us to the end of news from around the region. We're going to go do some community announcements and then our feature story for the morning. Are you feeling depressed about the future of our planet? The Eco-Socialism 2023 conference could address your worries by providing a platform for radical solutions. Activists from around the world will examine the links between the ecological, economic and political crises of our time. You'll hear from Japanese Marxist Kohei Saito, author of Capital in the Anthropocene, who argues that capitalism's pursuit of unlimited growth and profits is the major barrier to ecological sustainability. Inspirational speakers from the Asia-Pacific region, including India, Pakistan and the Philippines, will take up the fight for climate justice and against war and fascism. Eco-socialism also highlights women's and queer oppression, First Nations sovereignty and so much more, including a session featuring former refugee Baruz Bachani. For more information and bookings, go to our website, ecosocialism.org.au. Ecosocialism 2023, a world beyond capitalism, Saturday, July 1 to Sunday, July 2 at Victorian Trades Hall. A 3CR supporter. Three CR is a community radio license holder. What you hear on community radio is governed by the community radio codes of practice. The codes of practice cover matters relating to program content, including local content, news, current affairs, Australian music content, programs for children, and the responsibilities associated with broadcasting by and for the community. They also cover aspects such as community access and participation in how three CR operates. Copies of the codes are available from our website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash who we are. Join us 
at the Collingwood Neighbourhood House for the launch of the Underground Survival Project Part 5, a zombie film series that began on the Collingwood housing estate over lockdown. The series travels from Collingwood to the desert in South Australia and the most recent episode, The Industrial Wastelands of Upfield. Check out the film, have a feed and raise some cash for our 3CR show Satellite Skies, this Radiothon. 6pm Friday, 9th of June. See you there. Three shades of black is where I come from. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents and that last um, community announcement that you heard was for a fundraiser for 3CR's Radiothon. A timely reminder, listeners, that next week is Asia Pacific Currents' live Radiothon show. And again, just to remind you to give generously. I know that everybody is under cost of living pressures at the moment, um, but at a time like this, it's more, even more important to have progressive uh, voices on air giving an alternative analysis of the economy and the different levers that can be pulled, so to speak, to bring inflation under control. And even if that is a thing that we should be doing at this point in time, as opposed to rising up and taking down capitalism. Well, anyway, that's a bit bold. But if you want to give generously to Community Radio 3CR's Radiothon, um, you can start donating now. Go to the 3CR website. That's all the w's.3cr.org.au. Follow the links to donate now. Um, Or wait till next week when we officially kick off... um, with Radiothon and of course next Saturday is Asia Pacific Currents' Radiothon show. It's time to go into our feature interview for the morning uh, and as I mentioned before I had a chance to speak with Givanch Ilyachik who is the International Officer of DISC which is the Progressive Labour Federation in Turkey and we were speaking about the election result and he starts off by describing the mood of people in the labour movement in response to the election result. The elections made us really tired, a bit frustrated. You know, before the elections, people were really too optimistic. Not me. I was trying to be realistic. Normally, I'm always optimistic, but about the elections, I try to be realistic. But people were really optimistic. So the results create a frustration. The results was a a bit tight. So it's not a clear victory for Erdogan. And the elections are not fair. There are lots of frauds and manipulations in the voting day or in advance. Uh, but people are a bit frustrated. Uh, and let's say economy is going worse. And only, only in one day, yesterday, uh, Turkish currency went down and down. Like only in one day. Uh, compared to US dollars or euros, Turkish currency lost 20% of the volume. Uh, prices are going higher and higher. Uh, we will see those. So the economy will be worse uh, in a very short time. That is the case the world over, but I know that the because what your inflation is something like 30% at the moment. Is that right? Uh, maybe, maybe more because you know it's kind of discussion how to calculate the inflation. Uh, yesterday, the Turkstat, the Turkish Statistical Institute, uh, 
which is a public body, they announced the monthly inflation and they said it's 0 0.04. So this is a joke and it's not it's not funny. Uh, so the real inflation is more than 30 that we can feel in the markets, in the green grocer, whatever, when we are buying something. Prices are changing in every week, let's say. Uh, for the lunch, we're going to the same place every day. And the prices are changing every week. But, you know, we, can, we cannot afford the prices anymore. When you were talking about in the lead up to the election, people were really hopeful I mean, we had a look at, at the opposition. I think I'll, I'll try to pronounce his name. Kılıçdaroğlu, is that how you say his name? Yes, yes. Kılıçdaroğlu. He is not progressive. Why were people Why were people hopeful? And, and what do you think of how he's being portrayed as a supposed progressive leader? No, actually, that guy, Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu, no, he... He is the president of the Social Democrats, CHP. And personally, if we are talking about himself, he's a progressive guy. He's a decent social democrat. I'm not in love with the social democrat, social democrat, but he was a decent social democrat. And he's progressive. But he built a broad coalition of six or more parties, including right wing including right-wing parties and including former wingmen of Erdogan. So his coalition was not progressive at all, but he was personally a progressive and decent social democratic guy. And we know him, you know, the unions or the society knows him for long years. And from the union's perspective, we knew him for two decades, maybe more. So he was always in favor of uh, social rights, social policies, he was against corruptions, bribery, and so. And he got he always have good relations with trade unions, labor NGOs, and he, he was always giving positive messages for labor rights and social rights. So if you're talking about himself, his personality, uh, I'm sure he's he's a progressive guy, but he built a broad coalition, including some non-progressive pro-business uh, pro actors as well. Well, it, with all of those pro-business actors in his broad coalition, did labour issues feature at all in the election? Did any cost of living issues feature in the election? Yes, you know, the, uh, the main critic against Erdogan during the election campaigns was the uh, cost, of, cost of living and high prices. So all the oppositions were talking about higher salaries, more social benefits for working people for employees so it was it was all discussion and let's say even pro-business politicians were talking about low salaries of the workers it's not enough to leave so it was always discussion and let's say the potential minister of finance potential minister of economics for, for his cabinet was a kind of pro-business guy, but he was always criticizing this pro-business guy, was always criticizing a government about the labor rights. In relation to the election itself, and you, you talked about, I, I mean, in, in watching everybody, or all of the political discussion, it really did look like Kalishti Rolu was going to win. 
And then what has emerged are all of these accusations of the elections were rigged, that they weren't free and they weren't fair. What do you make of that? I mean, Erdogan himself is saying that, but he won the election. What do you make of these accusations? So, you know, the, those frauds and manipulations not are not only in the election day. I will give some examples about the voting process, but, you know, during the campaigns, it's, it was not fair. What I mean, let's say, uh, all the media is controlled by Erdogan, so there's no free press in Turkey. Uh, all the media is controlled by the government, so they're only showing his speeches, but there's no space for the opposition, for the critical ideas. And let's say all the public institutions are supporting Erdogan's campaign, including some, some ministers who were candidates for the parliament. So the ministerial resources, ministerial budget were uh, used for their campaigns. So, I mean, previously uh, in Turkey, three ministers resigned from their positions before the elections to be neutral, to be objective. Those are Minister of Justice, Minister of Interior, and Minister of Transport, Transport and Communication. But this time, Interior Minister was a candidate for the Parliament. So all the resources, I mean, budget, institutions, or staff, campaigned for this minister in his parliamentary campaign. Uh, and some other ministers, let's say Minister of Urban Projects, uh, city planning was a candidate for parliament as well. So all the resources of his ministry used for the campaign. So this is kind of manipulation. This is uh, not a fair election. And some of the candidates, some of the leading figures of the opposition are, are already in prison. For instance, uh, Selahattin Demirtas, who was the uh, former president of uh, pro-Kurdish HDP and he ran uh, uh, ran for the presidency against Erdogan in previous two elections. So he, for more than five years he's in, he's in prison with no charge. I mean, those kind of political figures of the opposition are in prison so they cannot campaign. Uh, and you know, election events of the opposition, I mean, social democrats or pro-Kurdish ones, they were banned, blocked by the police several times. Mayor of Istanbul, Ekrem Imamoglu, who was a candidate for the vice presidency, was his election campaigns, election activities were attacked several times in different uh, places. So there was those kind of manipulations and fraud before the election. And in the election day, uh, the scrutiners or observers were blocked accessing uh, election areas, including MPs. You know, in the city of Urfa, one of the social democratic MPs was blocked and actually physically attacked, and he couldn't access the voting places. You know, there are several documents. You know, I mean, hundreds of documents about uh, fraud. Uh, in some cities, some counties, there were no scrutineers, no observers from the opposition. So they just voted. And this is typical fraud, but an additional one, and I don't want to be kind of xenophobic or un anti 
e, migrant when I'm talking about this, but very recently Turkey issued citizenship for for someone. I'm not talking about poor migrants or poor refugees. I'm talking about some people who are not residents in Turkey, but they are living in some uh, other countries like Qatar, Saudi Arabia. Uh, they bought citizenship from Turkey by buying uh, houses or apartments in Turkey. So those guys who are not living in Turkey, but living in Qatar, were not organizing any elections. Uh, they voted in the Turkish elections with their recent brand new citizenship, which they got the citizenship via buying some real estates. So those kind of manipulations affected the affected the results. And you know this is very tiny difference. You know with the results, you know we can still be a bit optimistic that almost half. Of the society, I mean, almost half of the voters—not the society, but the voters—are uh, against uh, Erdogan. The Commons Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates, and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion, and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Common Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. Australia's energy market is broken. Right, but Co-Power gives you better energy? Nope, no retailer can control where the electrons they buy off the grid come from. But as a Co-Power member, you can vote on where 100% of revenue goes. So instead of corporate profit, your energy bill builds the world you want to be a part of. That's cool. Learn more about the solidarity economy and Co-Power today and take the power back. Victorian energy fact sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03 9068 6036. A 3CR supporter. Join the New International Bookshop on Saturday, June 17th at 9am for the annual Big Red Book Fair. Thousands of books of all genres at a flat rate of $3. More deals include $1 zines and journals, $2 selected fiction and 10% off new books. Meet other lefties and find rare classics for low prices that are only available at the New International Bookshop located at 54 Victoria Street, Carlton, Saturday the 17th of June. The New International Bookshop is a 3CR supporter. Well, that interview that you were just listening to before those community announcements was a conversation between me and Kivanch Eliachik from the um, DISC, the uh, Internet, sorry, the Labor Federation in Turkey about the Turkish elections. And that does bring us to the end of another Asia Pacific Currents. I will remind you again that next week is our Radiothon show. So please um, dig deep and give generously to Asia Pacific Currents and to 3CR. 
But James, I think that's the end of today's show. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Coming up next is Asia Pacific. Sorry, coming up next is Palestine Remembered.